Welcome to Music Fishbowl. Welcome everyone to episode 10 of Music Fishbowl, Music Chatter for All. Uh, today I've got a great episode for you. I have got a musician on called Lefty, uh, who's from Israel. Uh, his music's amazing. Uh, he's in two bands called uh, Midnight Noise and uh, a band called Left. Uh, he's going to come on just, just in general chat music with me uh, and just talk about all different things. Um, we've had the conversation. It was so good, so engaging. Um, he also plugs his music as well on there, which is great because I, I would love for you guys to go and check him out. Um, he He's he's really cool. Um but first, I just want to go into a few things with you here. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone who's following me on at thisisvinyl.tap on Instagram. It's the handle I use and the profile I use for all the promotion of the podcast. But also, you know, I post my records on there. You guys know this stuff. And I'd like to thank you all because I've reached 4,000 followers on there, which is amazing. I never thought I'd ever get that far. Um, and obviously, I do all this just for fun. So it does mean a lot that you guys want to have that fun with me. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, also on top of that, I also want to mention um, thank you for the reception for the last episode. Um, that episode was a really sort of uh, really insightful episode, uh, a bit more serious than we used to on, on the podcast. But I thought it was really important that it was made. Um, it's it, it's just had a great response. So thank you so much to everyone for that. Also. Make sure you check out the website, uh, links in my bio on Instagram, but also I have linked it into the podcast as well, so you can check it out there. Obviously, you can listen to us on that if you like, or you can just listen to us wherever you uh, find is best for you. Um, I wanted to go through something. Before I do do some music news, I wanted to talk about something I heard today, um, and I'm gutted that, I, I, I aren't, I'm, I, that I'm not able to find it now. Um, so I went to a gastro pub for, for, for some lunch for my granddad's birthday today, and um in there, they were playing some music, and this music was all acoustic covers of, like, pop songs and things like that, mostly by, like, Ed Sheeran wannabes, and I was like, okay, whatever. But there was this one song that then played, which sounded like, it was Lord's Royals being covered, and there's a female covering it, and it sounded like Joni Mitchell singing the song. It was incredible. Like, it sounded like it came out of the 70s. It was, like, just a girl on an acoustic guitar. It was amazing. Look, if any of you know what that might be, do send it my way. Because to be honest, I'd love to hear it again. It was a true musical experience hearing that cover. Um, so please do, do let me know. Anyway, before we get to the interview, well, it's not really an interview, it's a conversation. I'm going to have to label it as that. Um, I'm going to do some music news. Music news. Music news. Music news. Okay, so music news this week. Um, I have to start off, unfortunately, on a real sombre note um, this week with two pieces of some really upsetting news. Um, Naomi Judd has uh, passed away at the age of 76 due to mental illness. Um, what can I say? I mean, Naomi was the mother in the mother and daughter duo, the Judds, uh, which she was part of with her daughter, Winona. Um, Ashley Judd was her, was also her daughter as well. Um, the Judds were, um, due to be inducted into the country music hall of fame, uh, a day after the announcement of her passing, which is so sad. I mean, what a great duo. One of those family groups that just proved that 
that it's magic every time they sing together. Um, you don't get that kind of connection with other other groups that aren't family. Um, she'll be Miss Dearly, and our love goes out to all those affected uh, by that news on the podcast. And um, the other piece of sad news is that Bonehead from Oasis, obviously we're huge Oasis fans here on uh, on the podcast. Bonehead has uh, got tonsil cancer. Um, everyone on Music Fishbowl is wishing him all the best. Uh, we're huge fans of him, and he's such a talented guy. You know, the rest of the band members in Oasis all say that he's the most talented one. <laughs> so our love goes out to him. Um, on less somber note, we'll be going back to Oasis here. Um, Liam Gallagher has said that he would rather jump off of a roof then be called a pop star. Um, this comes after he uh, he was asked about being labelled as such. Uh, he obviously prefers to call himself as a rock and roll star, as far as I'm aware. Uh, and he definitely doesn't want to be called a pop star, apparently. So uh, that was a weird quote to come from him this week. Um, Paul McCartney did something amazing this week. Um, he's actually recreated a duet with John Lennon live on stage this week. Um, using footage of John singing at the rooftop concert, he was singing, I've Got a Feeling... Um, obviously the rooftop concert is is from the late sixties. Uh, they show they were showing John on stage with his vocals isolated, and Paul sang along with him. Uh, such a go- such just oh, a gorgeous moment, gorgeous moment. Um, in March, <laughs> this is great news. In March, Dolly Parton withdrew her nomination, uh, for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, she claimed that other artists would deserve it more in the genre. Uh, that the Hall of Fame supposedly deal with. Well, turns out, she just didn't know that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is actually a general music Hall of Fame, and they've never dealt with just rock music. Um, she's now said that she would basically accept the induction if it was to go to her. So I'm assuming they're going to reinstate that nomination after the misunderstanding. I mean, we all love Dolly. The Hall of Fame loves Dolly. Come on. It's going to happen. Um, actually, some I've, I've, this week for new releases, there's four new releases this week. Um, more to come in the next podcast. I'm recording this on a Monday. Um, next podcast will be recorded Tuesday week. So it's going to have a lot more then, and there's some big ones coming out. Um, but these are just the ones that I listened to this week. Um, the big one would be Blossoms. Uh, they've got their new album out called Ribbon Around the Bomb. Uh, it's nothing new from them. But that's not a bad thing. Uh, that last album was definitely the best sound I've ever heard from them. And this feels like an extension of that. Um, a good example of just not fixing things when they aren't broken. Uh, in terms of songs, the writer's theme was a cool song about, with, with well, with loads of New York imagery in that I love. Um, the writer and Visions were two other brilliant songs that I absolutely loved from that record. Brilliant. Excellent. Um, Jessica Willis-Fisher has a new album out called Brand New Day. It's got a nice chilled out vibe to it. It's just an easy listening country record. Not one I'd go back to necessarily, but I'm very happy I listened. Um, Bailey Bigger uh, has a uh, record out called Coyote Red. Uh, It's an easy on the year record, um, but it didn't do too much to make me notice it. Um, It was just a bit bland, really. Um, And the release that surprised me the most this week was Sad Daddy. Uh, they released an album called Way Up in the Hills. Uh, this is just a really cool old bluegrass sounding record, like proper old school. Uh, I love the fact that it sounds like a family singing. Even if it isn't, I don't necessarily know. I've not looked them up. Um, two great songs I loved um, were Hanging Them Clothes Out on the Line. I just thought the vocals on it were amazing. And it's almost like isolated vocals on that track. They're brilliant. Uh, and Cold Rain, another amazing song. 
Uh, I really recommend you go listen to Sad Daddy if you haven't. Um, they surprised me this week. I was a new listener. Definitely recommend them to you guys. Um, so, next you'll be hearing me talking to Lefty um, and having our music chat. Um, I suppose I could put the interview jingle in next. But you know what? I'm going to put in the uh, traditional uh, dividing interlude that I usually use. Uh, because actually, this is more of just a conversation. And I want it to stay that way. So... I hope you have a great time listening to us and uh, I'll catch up with you soon at some point. Okay, so I'm here today with uh, my very special guest for this week's uh, episode. Um, I'm with a wonderful man He's uh, an Israeli musician. He plays, uh, he's a songwriter too. He plays guitar and sings in multiple bands. Um, his name is Asaf. He's often known as Lefty. Uh, that, that's his nickname. I probably will refer to him as both during the podcast. Um, hello, uh, Asaf. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you, mate. Yeah. No, it's, it's been amazing. We, we sort of connected, found each other on Instagram. Um, I've been listening to, to your music over the past... Uh, few days since, since we sort of connected and uh yeah i've been really enjoying it um do you want to tell people uh, what you do musically uh first of all thank you for checking it out yes i found your no instagram problem. page and i really liked uh your content and the records that you uploaded i like i think we have similar <laughs> tastes in music oh nice that's good cheers thank you for the uh, compliment as well of, of course and uh so about myself i'm a musician i've been a musician for about 10 years but uh, with many breaks during, you know, life has its way of pushing you mm. down. Yeah. Uh, my main band is called Left. That's why I'm called Lefty most of the time, because also because I'm left-handed. Uh, nice. Yeah, I play left-handed guitar and people, uh, you have to find a nickname for that. Uh, so Left is like a garage rock duo. Mm-hmm. Um, we're icing in English and we, we like... We're basically influenced from like the White Stripes and, and Black Keys, but also Death From Above, if you know them, and, uh, mm, yeah. and, Bla- and Black Sabbath a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we try, you know, to give our own spin about that. And I've always been like a one person band. I always felt it was like uncool to like be in multiple bands, like uh, it's betraying the rock ethos or something. And then during COVID, my partner in left was in Mexico and he was stuck there. So I was home alone during lockdown and I was going crazy. And a very good friend of mine who is like a multi-instrumentalist who is amazing and he like studied music and harmonization and everything. He lives in the like the the area around me where I could walk to, you know, we, we could go 500 meters away from home. Yeah. So I, he just told me, you want to come over and, and jam? And I was, and I never jam, but I was desperate for some fun. Mm-hmm. So I said yes. And in like 20 minutes, we had a song. And very quickly, we just started writing more and more music. And it became a new band called uh, Midnight Noise, mm-hmm. which, which is more electronic, like kind of influenced by Daft Punk and mm-hmm. like uh, synthwave stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's those are my musical projects, uh, and yeah, that's that's basically what I do now. I juggle between both of these bands, 
and it's fun. It's actually fun to have uh, two projects. Yeah, no, I, I, I can imagine so. I mean, I, I've been listening to both uh, this week. Obviously, I've only heard one of the uh, left tracks so far, and I want to get on to buying the, uh, the, the the record you've got out, which I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but I've also been listening to Midnight Noise on uh, Spotify, and it, it, it's, it sounds amazing. Like the new single is really good. I oh, love thank that you. New single. Like, oh, I'm yeah. super proud of that song. That is the the first like. Uh, first of all, I'll explain to you what's happening on the Spotify and if people go check it out so they'll understand. We have one EP released on Spotify and that's like an, an like a licensed like a company ordered songs from us. Oh yeah. So we just did it. So it's not I don't really consider that my music. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but it like <laughs> like it was ordered and it's fun mm. and I like it, but it's not really midnight noise. Mm. Uh, and Wonder, the first single, is the first piece of music me and, and Offer, my, my bandmate, we wrote together. And I think you can see it's really like it's just a game that we play. But Oceans is the mm. second song we wrote. And yeah. I think that is the first song that sounds like what we like the band that we became. And, and I'm super proud of it. Like the, it, I, I usually sing in a rock band. It's like usually you mm. do one, maybe one like extra layer of vocals everything yeah. is very raw and this is very produced and like we and he studied harmony so he just tells me like he plays something on the piano and he does sing mm. this and like what is that and then it's it's a beautiful harmony and i'm, I'm not used to that and it, it was so fun to do um, yeah i mean like I, I listened to it and it sounded like a departure which i really like so I, i've listened to, 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 to the ep as well which i, I do think is is genuinely really good I, I enjoyed that too um but the single oceans was just so it was so different and and i i it was the best thing of, of everything that's on there um, and i also love the b-side as well which is a, a like a chip tune version of, of the oh track. yeah we we've yeah. we've made a decision to create a chip tune version of every single we put out Oh, nice. No, it's, it's, it's so good. Yeah. Thank you. It's just that, you know, usually like musicians take themselves so seriously. Mm. And I love video games and I love like fun stuff and like the music we take very seriously. But we try not to mm. be like, like if we have a silly idea, we just do it. And, and it was like I thought of chiptune versions and it it's so fun to make. And like, honestly, it's it's super quick to do it and it's just so yeah so fun well that's that's what i got i got from it i i felt like i was listening to a video game soundtrack and and you know i mean i i i haven't been a I, I've, been, I've been a mobile gamer um probably since i i left for university so that that's like you know seven years ago now but before then i i, I was a big gamer and i and i did enjoy playing uh, games but i always had a love for the classic games the most and it really just reminds me of those old school uh, Mega Drive games that I used to play, you know, um, yeah, Sonic, Ristar, those kind of oh, things. And I just, that, oh, that's man. a great compliment. Yeah, I, I also grew up on Sonic and Streets of Rage. Mm. And, yeah, oh, I and love Streets of Rage. I also had a Mega Drive. That was a, a cool little machine. Yeah, brilliant machine. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. so, as, as, you know, we... We've decided that we're not going to run today like an interview, like I have done in the past. We're just going to do it as a conversation, which, which to be honest, is what this podcast um, was designed to be. Um, we have a few interviews chucked in here and there. So I'm, I'm really happy to actually uh, to speak to someone that I don't necessarily know and I haven't met before just and just chat about music and and, you know, 
and 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 just really get into the nitty gritty of that. Um, so could I ask you, like, because you come from somewhere where I've never visited Israel before. I, I I've I've never been near that part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask you what the music scene's like um, in Israel? Well, Israel is, uh, we can talk about the political stuff if you want, but we also don't have to. It's a very small country and mm-hmm. it's full of talent, talented people in, in like an insane amount. Like you probably mm-hmm. heard of Israeli high tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, like all of Google Maps is powered by Israeli technology and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also like the music scene here is insane. They're like... The jazz scene here is very, very big, and a lot of like working musicians in New York are like Israeli uh, players who left to study mm. there. And we have everything of everything. Like there are jazz labels and like alternative labels, and but everything is small. Like you don't have forty mm. bands; you have seven bands uh, of yeah. a genre. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always it's like a bit of a struggle to to have a like a working career here because yeah. you know as a small garage rock band we we want to do double features and we want to do split seven inches and we want to do lots mm-hmm. of stuff and there's not a lot of like partners to do that with yeah i mean you used to talk there about doing these uh seven inches and things like that and it's we we were talking before, uh, before the podcast, you know, I mean, we'll let the myth go out. Uh, we were talking before the podcast. Oh, no. Um, yeah, oh, no. Um, but you, you mentioned to me that there's no record plants in um, in Israel. And obviously, a lot of your music comes out on vinyl, especially the stuff we've left. Yes. So how does that work for you? Um, well, the last record plant in Israel closed down in the early 90s when mm. when the record industry kind of died down. Mm. Uh, and it hasn't been opened up yet. And I know that I myself looked into the process of opening a plant like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of many people who have, and it's just so cost prohibitive. Oh, yeah. You know, you know one single pressing machine costs like half a million dollars. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you have to buy it with like a technician who will teach someone how to use it for six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just not feasible to do it. Uh, right now unless you know there's some multi-billionaire who's just his passion project is to open a record plant in Israel and that's Mm. not happening Uh, so most like records until like six years ago were very rare in Israel like an Israeli band to produce a record Mm. but in the last few years it's become very very commonplace we usually order like I work with a few plants in Germany Mm. and people order from um, Switzerland and France and it makes it much more expensive because, like, I, I have no problem talking uh, openly about this. Like, our latest record, which is our first vinyl, like, 12 inch, mm. um, half of the cost was just shipping it and, wow. the, and the taxes of getting the mm. copies to Israel. Uh, oh, but yeah, wow, it sucks. <laughs> mm. I mean, yeah, that's part of it. I, I think it, it reaches into what is a current. Uh, global issue with with record production because obviously you know I, th- th- there's there's you know, there's a crisis at the moment in terms of the record industry as I'm as I'm sure you know where yeah, I know demand where is higher it's higher than supply isn't it and like you know then you get an artist like Adele who orders five hundred thousand copies there's still and, and we're we're half a year on from that record coming out there's still over one hundred fifty thousand copies of that that haven't sold that are just sitting there. And it's like, 
usually, if there was demand, you'd do another repress. But they've ordered so many that they don't need to repress, but they've also clogged everything up at the same time. And it's uh, not just them. It's, it's yeah, the whole it's, big labels, it's not just it? them, but I understand their thinking because you know why there's the, why there's the problem. Uh, well, it's the big labels don't have... They no, the the glass, problem started with uh, a, a plant fire in a, uh, I think it was in Belgium, but I forget. But like one of the only plants that makes the actual discs that are pressed into vinyl, and mm. that caused a shortage that is still still happening, and everything is yeah. delayed. And I understand the big record labels because they have the financial back and they can order that amount. They can, yeah. And they prefer to do that now instead of maybe next time when they need another run. There's no materials or there's a line so they'll just just give us as many as you can and we'll sit on them yeah uh, but i mean eventually that's sell won't they but, but it'll just be a time thing is it, it, it's going to take four or five years for the rest of them to sell eventually because it's when people come into vinyl and they're a big fan of the artist they'll then buy it on vinyl but you know they will sit there for time yes. <laughs> unfortunately they will sit there for, for, for a period of time um so um in terms of uh, you, well, you, you said earlier that about um, about Jack, uh, well, about uh, the White Stripes being mm -hmm. an influence on you. Obviously, Jack White's got his own record plant. Um, it's incredible to see what he's doing for music at the moment, isn't it? Like, um, what, what do you think of what he's doing right now? It's not that he has a record plant; he has the whole thing. Like he, the whole label, yeah. The whole like studio to to record it, then mm. press it, then mass like to do everything. It's in, the thing he built is just insane. Mm. Uh, and you know, I kind of he kind of a bit lost me as a listener in the last few years because mm. he's been drifting a bit more towards country music. Like I really like his like mm. I always listen to what he puts out, uh, and I have enormous respect for him. And like the the latest record is really good. Yeah, I agree. I think. Uh, agree. But like the um, the thing he built is like it's a monster, and I'm just, like he's. I don't know him personally. He's not a friend of mine, but I I'm super proud of him because I started yeah. listening to them like on Gistil. Mm. And yeah. I've like I've been on the forums like years ago, and like I saw I saw his ascent, and it, like people can make fun of him now, but but I'm like I'm proud of him. Of like yeah, sticking to his beliefs. Yeah, he, he's one of those where he he's a complete artist in the sense that he he does he does what he wants to do. If people don't like it, they don't like it. But at the end of the day, he's expressing himself the way he wants to express himself. Whether that be through uh, through the music itself, through his writing, through his production, uh, or through just doing the record plants or or making a record a certain way, like he's expressing himself for the whole process. It's incredible, really. Yeah, um, even even the split colors and the speckled colors and every type of vinyl that he creates. Mm. And I don't know if you remember, but he did a special seven inch that was like um, it had a hole in the middle with another seven inch, like a smaller yeah. three inch that you had to break mm. the original one to hear it. Yeah, and like all those gimmicks are they're gimmicks, but they make people more interested in vinyl. Yeah, which I mean, is cool. I mean, my favorite one he did was, uh, I don't know, I don't think it's actually one of his records, but it's on his label, it's on Third Man, uh, was, was the record which had, uh, it, it had two sections and inside the record, one section was made of, uh, well, it wasn't made of it, but it had a, it's a liquid filled record. So one section was 
Jack Daniels, the other one was Coke. So it was a Jack D and Coke record. And I thought that's so, so clever and impressive. It might sound rubbish for all I know. It might not sound good, but it's the fact that he's dared to dream and to do it. Yeah, um, he, like, he, he I, like, I lost the word. Like, he challenges, like, the designers yeah. in his studio and in the pressing planner. Like, can you make this happen? And I'm sure most of the time they're like, not really. And then he's yeah. like, here's a bunch of money. And yeah <laughs> figure, figure it out yeah like he but he, he basically he challenges the perception of what what he challenges the perception of what music can be let alone what vinyls can be like he's one of those artists that is so i mean the latest record as you said fear of the dawn is so experimental and i just love i love the song heidi ho i just the the experimentation that he's doing on that is unreal and then the next song on has dub reggae drums Yes, like, that's what? crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> I agree. Like he's just he's he's incredible. Um, but yeah, so um, in terms of music, so who are you? I know you've gone into it a bit. Um, who are your influences then? Uh, like, give give us a, a a list if you can. Well, that's always like a. It's not a sore subject. It's like a weird subject because you like I don't know what my band sounds like. You know mm. what I mean? Because I've never really listened to it because you're you you only like when you're in it, even if you hear recordings and things, you 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 can't really know what it sounds like. Only mm. an outside listener can really like a lot of people tell me we sound like like I sing like Robert Plant. Mm. And I don't see that at all. Like it's a huge <clears throat> compliment, but I don't think like I'm not influenced by Led Zeppelin, even though they're an amazing band. Mm, yeah uh, but like my favorite when i was a kid like my favorite musicians were were jack white and uh john fushante oh nice from uh, red hot chili mm. peppers but like his solo career mm. and i would like dig through like i would listen to every album from both of those guys like on repeat for months uh and like i was a very obsessive uh teenager yeah <laughs> Uh, and only after that, like, I kind of opened up to, like, um, you know, influences of the influences and, like, and, like, listening to Dex Romweber and, and Death From Above and, like, mm. like I, I, love, I love minimalist music mm. and it, it doesn't have to be, like, like, Daft Punk isn't minimalist, like, they have a lot of sounds, but it's always, mm. like, every song is, like, five channels or ten channels, it's very... It's very precise. Yeah. That's the yeah, word I'm it's, looking for. And I think it's it's very this, when it comes to the writing as well. Like the reason why Daft Punk can write a hit song is because they don't overthink what they're writing. It's very, as you say, it's minimal. It's it's what is the what is the least we can put into a song to have a big hit? Exactly, and I think, I, mean. I, I exactly, and I think a lot of musicians and I also it also happens to me they run into this problem that the more you learn. Like you probably know that uh, Access of Awesome YouTube video where they do all the mm. songs in four chords. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Like one. when you're 17, you write a song with those four chords and you don't think about it, and you're like, "Oh, this is the best thing I've ever done." Mm. Yeah. Uh, but when you're like 26 and you've recorded like four albums, and you write, a, you play that, and you're like, "Oh, this is too simple. I can't, I can't do this. This is stupid." And I think the more you learn, you like you start to limit yourself. Yeah. Uh, in I a bad way. I, I totally agree. I mean, 
it's not something I've spoken to about much on the podcast, and I'm actually I'm, I'm actually saving this for an episode where uh, me and my girlfriend are going to a gig, so she's going to come on after the gig again for a second time, and we're going to talk about that. But we're going to do meet the host. But I'll, I'll let a bit of it out now. Is that you know I I since I was about seven eight years old, I've played guitar and I've I've since picked up piano and things like that. But I've also started I started writing at thirteen, um, and I I think I write my best stuff now but it comes few and far between compared to what it used to. And I've realized that when I write the best thing is when I've got just that core idea, uh, that core idea of something like, for example, um, you know, all these bad things have happened, but I ain't dead yet. And the hook of the song will be, you know, but I ain't dead yet will be the hook of the song at the end of the chorus or, or when it's, I just think of, Oh, I'm going to write this song for a friend of mine because so many of the female singer songwriters that I go and see live and things like that, write songs for their friends, but none of the guys do. So why don't I do it? And I've got that simple idea just to write that friendship song there. And, and that's when I write at the best is when I keep it simple. There's so many times I sit there and I'll listen to like a George Harrison record and I'll hear what he's doing and I'll go, I'll give that a go. And then it's just terrible. <laughs> it's true. It's awful. Like I, I, I really like what you said. And I also really believe that like I are in left. We have one of our like most successful songs is called Haifa, which yeah. is a, a town here in Israel. Yeah. And like, I believe like when I say I believe in minimalism, I, I really mean it in like, as a, like a holistic thing, like a whole thing, like the lyrics of that song are two lines mm. that I repeat which is every single time I want to be next to you, I have to come to Haifa, I have to come to you. Yeah. Mostly I don't mind because I think you're worth it. I drive an hour for a moment, a moment with you. And I repeat yeah. that. All the verses are the same. And that's not because I'm lazy. That's because I had a moment like in my life and I mm. felt something and I wrote it down and I yeah. felt that it encapsulates that moment and anything I add to it will be fake. Like I need another line to have more lines it's no i have this line and it expresses something i feel yeah it, you're right i mean i as you're saying that i was thinking of another example from from my end is that you know my my, my girlfriend's middle name is uh is elena um not spelled eleanor like it's spelled elena with an mm -hmm. a at the end um and uh, the core i wrote a song for her the first time i ever wrote for her at the the chorus was elena elena you know, I couldn't ask for more from my Eleanor. And it's like, I get the fact that I'm sort of slightly singing it Eleanor, but it doesn't matter that I'm doing that because the thought and the the emotion and the, the rawness is, is behind it. So it doesn't, that carries the song. It doesn't matter that it sort of is a semi-rhyme, but isn't. It, it still works because of that rawness behind it, you know? Uh, listen, Beyonce, uh, King, mm. Queen Bee, uh, in her hit song, uh, To the Left, To the Left, which mm. I always like because my band is called Left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she rhymes the word minute with the word minute. Yeah, exactly. She has the yeah. line, I can have another you in a minute. Matter of fact, he'll be here in a minute, baby. Yeah. It's like, if she can do that, you can do whatever you want. That's exactly. <laughs> like my guiding light is Beyonce. <laughs> Well, she's enough of someone who, who a lot of people wouldn't say that I'd be a fan of her, but I'm a huge fan of Beyonce. And I love her visual albums like she's put on Disney Plus and things like They're incredible. Like, that's so good. Like, and, and this is something that I'm really enjoying at the moment. And actually, I mentioned it today. We had my, my, my granddad was over and, and we were chatting about 
music videos and watching now 80s as the channel we got here just plays 80s it's like mtv just plays mm -hmm. 80s music videos um, and like we were watching that and um and they were saying how uh you know so much money was being thrown at these videos blah 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 and i said yeah nowadays they make a whole video for the whole album because they make visual albums basically and they were like oh no that'd be too much and it's like they, they just don't understand the fact that music doesn't just have to be art just doesn't just have to be one format now it doesn't have to be one medium it can be more than one you know um it doesn't I have to agree uh and yes people do, like the music video as a format is kind of dead not really yeah but kind of Uh, and I think like the the visual storytelling of like like my I, this is silly but like first of all I love Bo Burnham's inside I think mm. it's an insane piece of of art and it's also yeah. like people now it's like a vinyl record but it's like a, it's a musical and people mm. treat it as like a stand-up special which it isn't Uh, it's like a musical experience, and I don't know if you if you like or know like the Lonely Island, like the Andy I do, I, I, I do know them. Yeah, I, I they, do know them. They have a visual, a visual album called like the ba the unauthorized Bash Brothers experience, mm -hmm. and I think it's amazing. It's like the story of two baseball players in the eighties, well, like true yeah. real people who really existed, and. It's like an ins it's like I think it's a compliment to Bo Burnham's like Bo Burnham does like a thing about like self and fame and you know seclusion and mm. it's exactly the same themes but from like a stupid like baseball player's perspective yeah <laughs> of like a baseball player taking drugs and it's beautiful like it's beautifully filmed and it's beautifully visually told and Like I, I have, I love the, that stuff, but it's so expensive to do. Like it's not feasible for, you know, small artists. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like we, we you know, our, our, our smaller artists in the UK are, they might, they produce one music video and like they do it for that. Each single has a music video, but it's very much homemade. It's, it's made by the people they know. Like, and if they don't know the right people, it just doesn't get made. You know, and it's only put onto YouTube and it, you know, it might get a thousand views max. And that's just grows over the year because they've been gigging and people go there to it uh, before they download the song just to make sure they get the song, the right song that they want to download from the gig and things like that. Um, no, it's exactly it's exactly the same here in Israel. Mm. Like most of the music videos are very, like, you know, phone filmed. Yeah. And, you know, I, I believe in do what you can with what you have. Yeah. It's DIY attitude, isn't it? It's, it's the do-it-yourself attitude, which, which is what, think, you know, genres like punk were brought up on that. You know, punk music happened because of that do-it-yourself attitude, you know? Um, without that. But that's what gives it its drive as well. That's part of it. Is that, like, you can hear, I hear it in your music as well. Like, there, there's, especially in that left song that, that I listen to, like, there's a, there's, a, there's a drive in it, this natural drive in the sound, mm -hmm. um, which... Which comes from being some, you know, being an artist who, you know, you don't you don't get that from. It's a sound that I don't hear in successful artists so much anymore. You know, like I, I feel like it's lost, and that's why I, I do listen to lesser known indie artists so much more nowadays. <laughs> that like, which I didn't used to do. Um, you know, 
I completely, I completely understand what you're saying. And like, I think that, yeah, punk was very DIY. And, and think about like the fact that like indie music really didn't exist back then. Like if you weren't a part like of a big label, you, mm. you had no way to put your music out there. Like in the, the, the 50s, 60s. Uh, until until that moment, even though you know punk was also eaten by the system eventually, yeah. Uh, but but yes, and I think that the like the DIY attitude that is completely how I work. You know, I we don't have a publicist, we don't have anything. We mm. like we try to promote our music with the tools we have and to make the yeah. best music we can. And and yes, and it's not always easy, but it's it's better than like. You know, in Israel, we also have like pop music and it's mm. a very known practice like that an artist you have you've never heard of. It's their first song. And mm. they're like uh, in Israeli, like the pop music is more uh, like I don't know how to explain it to you. It's more like Arabic inspired. It's called Mizrahi. Yeah. Uh, and and it's some of it is very good, but a lot of it is not very good. Mm -hmm. uh, and like it's very common practice to like upload a song to YouTube with the very highly produced video that they made mm -hmm. and to buy like half a million views immediately yeah to just make it look like it's happening and I don't think at the <laughs> end of the day that artist that's not really has any traction I don't think he's happy uh, looking at that so I prefer doing it things my way yeah, it's just playing the game, isn't it? It's, it's playing a game, but if it doesn't satisfy you to play the game, then what's the point in doing it? You know, if a footballer doesn't enjoy playing football, they're not going to survive in the team very long. No. Kidding, you know, because because fans will spot it and they'll go, oh, we need this player out. And then, you know, soon the club notices and it's, yeah, it's not going it's, it's, it to, doesn't, it doesn't work out. It's a real uh, Ben Simmons situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> NBA yeah. reference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't want to be caught out. As, I mean, the worst thing for an artist, especially in music, is is when you when an artist sells out. Let and I put that in quote marks. Like, and that, that, that's not the worst thing. That, I, that but when an artist sells out, you know that part of them isn't with it. You know, like it's like they left something. They left themselves behind to chase something successful because there's a difference with selling out and chasing a new sound that you want to do. And you can tell when that happens. You can but, tell straight away. But I want to ask you, what do you think selling out is nowadays? Like, what, what makes a person Ooh. sell out? Because, like, I think of, like, Jack White, he did a Coca-Cola commercial <clears throat> in, like, 2004. And people crucified him. <clears throat> crucified him. And he said, like, I didn't give them any of the White Stripes song. They wanted a song. I wrote a song for them. Yeah. And he was still crucified. And, like, two years later, like, the Black Keys, that's how they got famous. Oh, the black, yeah, well, indie music, so many indie bands come famous because of their music in, in adverts. Exactly. Like, so, yeah. so that used to be considered selling out. And now it's like you, that's like, if a song of mine is in a, an ad, I'm like, that's like, I, I don't want to curse, but that's like, you know, yeah. F and A. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think in terms of what you asked, I do, my main thing is, I think an artist sells out when they go against their principles to chase something different, mainly success. I think it's, it's when they go against their, their own principles because I think bands come through now and I think they come through 
not only wanting to be successful in music and to be producing the music they love and to be expressing themselves in the way they want to and all these things. I think they also look to do things like the TV appearances. They look forward to wanting to do them. Uh, they look forward to appearing on a chat show or to being on a British comedy panel show because that's what we often have here. We used to have a music one that they all look forward to going on and things like that. Um, and I think things like the adverts, as you say, is part of that, is I think bands are coming through now and they want their songs to be on adverts because they look forward to turning the TV on and hearing their song. Mm -hmm. It's like the first time you hear, you know, radio is, isn't what it used to be anymore. There's no, there's no, I don't, I don't know what it's like where you are, but in the UK, there's no music shows in the same way like they used to be. You don't turn the telly on and see yourself as a, as a band. Yeah, in, in Hebrew, there's a term called like the tribal fire. Mm. And there's like there's no more tribal fire like in Israel you used to have until like the late 80s you only had one TV channel. Mm. So if you had your song on the TV channel, the whole country heard it. Yeah. So you had like momentous artists who mm. were like the speakers of the country and that doesn't happen anymore and like even, it's not even something that happens in Israel. Like think about Ty Siegel. He's, yeah. he's amazing. And I think that if he had been working like in the 90s, he could have been like a Kurt Cobain, like success wise, not, oh, yeah. not fame, not killing himself wise. And but that can't I don't think that fame can happen anymore. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I don't think it does. Like, I mean, my, my parents always say that. Uh, uh, forgive me if, if, if any of these names don't mean anything to you because they will be British specific but they, they are worldwide artists so like you know my parents always say that back in the 80s um, you know and the 70s due to there only being three TV channels I think the fourth one in the UK came in the, in the 80s uh, which was channel four um, I great name um, yeah I know <laughs> right <laughs> well we've got BBC one BBC two ITV which is often referred to as Channel 3, and uh, Channel 4, Channel 5 is what we call them. <laughs> but but they, um, yeah, no, there they used to be a show called Top of the Pops, and uh, all the big bands would go on there, and they just mime their songs, but everyone would be watching that because, you know, that, there were so few channels, and people like, your grandparents would know who Boy George was from Culture Club. Exactly. And like, now they don't. They, my grandparents, My grandparents know who Ed Sheeran is, but they don't know who Wolf Alice are, for example, or they don't know who the Black Keys, great example, they won't know who the Black Keys are. And I go, yeah, but they're one of the world's biggest bands, artists, you know, but they won't know. Yeah, because um, there's no tribal fire. It's done. That age is, yeah. is, is done where everybody is listening to the same thing. We're, we're very in a niche world. Like mm. if, you, if you like uh, Garage Rock, you can go on Spotify and it will only play Garage Rock to you. Yeah, yeah. There is exactly. like discovery, which is funny because that's like what Spotify sells, but discovery is very limited. Yeah, it's, it's, I would say it's so much easier to discover something new as a listener now that no one else has heard, but it's almost, there's almost, I'm not going to say there's no satisfaction in it, it's self satisfaction, but it doesn't give you the social element that that you kind of want from it you want to go in the next day and go i found this new band half the people go oh wow tell me about it the other half go oh i know them as well yes and you have the conversation mm -hmm. you don't get that no like, it just doesn't happen um but e but even for me like 
there, there could be artists that are huge around the world that I can speak to people online about easy. But I go to people next door or people around me here, they have no clue. They've never heard of, you know, they've never heard of uh, Billy Strings. I don't know if you've heard of Billy Strings, the, the incredible new guy is just changing bluegrass forever actually i'm not i'm looking him up as you speak (laughs) he's like one of the biggest well he is the biggest bluegrass artist in america becoming one of the biggest indie country artists in america he looks like he's incredible (laughs) yeah he's he is quite young i think he's he's only in his 20s but he he's incredible but no one's heard of him like i can't really have that conversation here unless i go online and it's not the same it's like, not it the same. It's not the same. Because like, it's like echo boxes. Like you go on the like the Ty Siegel subreddit and hmm. like it's not really discourse. It's more like I like Ty Siegel. I like him as well. Yeah. There's no like the conversation we're having now just doesn't happen. It just exactly. doesn't. And now like, when we finish our conversation, I'm going to listen to Billy Strings. and <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Like definitely. Like and, and, I think that's the thing, like, you mentioned how big jazz is in um, in Israel, and it's like, I, I, you know, I love jazz music, I listen to jazz all the time, I can't necessarily remember the albums of the artists, I just put on, like, the, I, I look up the classic albums and just listen to them, I mean, obviously, like, I know kind of blue, Miles Davis, I know most Miles Davis work, to be honest, and, you know, Love Supreme by, you know, John Coltrane and stuff, but, like, mm-hmm. So many people just don't know jazz, and these records were immensely popular, and yet I still can't talk to people about them. It's true. <laughs> I also think what you just said is also a part of like the reason I really love vinyl records because you listen to jazz, you put like a playlist on, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but it just plays songs, and you listen mm. to jazz, and you don't really say, Oh, I like this, oh, who is that guy? You're like, Oh, I'm listening to this, and yeah, like the record community is like about this like listening to the whole record and this like people don't listen to we're in a in a single world like people listen to singles mm. and and you know I'm, I'm i'm embracing it like in midnight noise we've made it our mission to like release a single every few months and mm. like really try to do it in like the the way that works nowadays mm. uh but but i love like albums like when the new yeah when the new Jack White album came out, I put it on and I listened to it straight through. And I don't think a yeah. lot of people do that anymore. Yeah, I, I think, and I think when we talk about a lot of people, like I, when we, we're not talking about music fans per se, we're talking about the general the, populace. The general public. Yeah, exactly. They, they just don't, they don't put on an album anymore. And I think also music's not becoming, because there's so many more things to do. Like, you know, when there was only three TV channels in the UK, one in Israel, as you say, if there's something you don't like on, what do you do? You put on a record because you've got to entertain yourself some way. Whilst, like, for us now, it's just something that people do when they're doing something where they can't watch a screen or they're not doing something else. They put music on or when they're walking. And, like, yeah, I listen to music when I'm running and on my commute, but I also then put a record on when I come home from work and I might watch like two hours of telly in the evening, two hours of music, you know, but I'm, I'm still doing that. And even when I'm commuting, it's still an album. Like my commute is an album's long journey. So it's like, I'm, I'm going to put on a record. I'm not going to put on some playlists because why would I listen to part of an artist's vision? Let's listen to the full thing. You know? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I also, you know, I also sin with playlists every now and again. But, but it's just, it also, it's also depends to me, like the, um, 
like the origin of the music because if it's mm. like a jazz album from the 70s there's always a flow and mm. it was built but if you listen to like a like a like a music artist that brings out music now usually they don't really think of like an mm. album yeah they like make a compilation of, of songs more than like a, a, an album which is almost like going back to the 50s and the 60s exactly when it was, it's, it's which all is really circular bizarre. But then when you listen to the first Beatles album, that all flows lovely and it works like an album anyway. So in some ways it, it's great. And that's why, uh, have you ever heard of, uh, I mentioned them earlier, have you ever heard of Wolf Alice? Uh, I heard the name. I'm not sure if yeah, I've listened to them, but yeah. I remember I saw their record a few times. Yeah, it's, it's the, the record, I assume you're probably alluding to Blue Weekend, which is the newest one. And like, mm-hmm. That is that is an album created to be an album. Like it's just a perfect artistic vision. Um, that, yes, there's like hit singles on it. Let's say and they're not hits because they're an indie band, indie rock band. But th- there are hit singles on it that that obviously get traction. Uh, I say they're not hit. I mean they still get hundreds of thousands of streams. Like uh, they get they get band. millions of streams. My exactly friend. yes exactly yeah. So like they're, they're huge, but but they're not becoming hit records. You know. Um, but they still got those singles, but the, the whole album as a whole is is a piece of art going top to bottom. Um, so there are still artists doing it, um, and they've done that, and they've got this huge buzz about them from doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's obviously becoming noteworthy to people again, it's in some way that, that having a long artistic vision is beneficial, but not to the general public, unfortunately. Yeah, to I, I think what you said before is very true. I think things are very cyclical. Like even if you look mm. at like like media in general, like in in the 80s and 90s, you had channels and then you had cable. Mm. And people then said, this is horrible. Why, why am I paying so much for channels I don't want? Now I just have Netflix <laughs> and I only yeah. pay for Netflix and I get whatever I want without commercials. <laughs> And now they're starting to bundle like streaming services, and it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's cable. Is. And and like even when it comes to taste, taste and stuff are cyclical. You know, like I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, where if you look at the films in the eighties, how many of them were set in the fifties? There's that thirty year gap. Look at what's happening in the twenty tens with, with the eighties. You know, the synthwave boom, vaporwave, all these sounds, and then Stranger Things, and all these everything's been set in the 80s you know the, the 80s comebacks you know the halloween films coming back the well all the all the old horror films coming back during this time from the 80s it's all cyclical it's that 30 year cycle um and i i love it because i love things like synthwave and vaporwave. that's happy because that's because we're the same age i think and that's yeah. because we were small children back then and it's uh that that's why that um gap exists because in 30 years the kids are like adults and they make stuff yeah and they want to make stuff they listen to and yeah i don't know you i don't know if you know magic sword i don't actually i'm gonna write it down there uh magic sword is like a synthwave band they make yeah super super epic songs mm. uh and like they make soundtracks for fantasy movies that never existed oh my word that sounds so good i i love them so (laughs) much and like they're super into it like they have like you talk about artists making like an album that is an album their whole band is like an album like they never break character 
like oh, they have nice. the they're free people and they're called like the seeker the the prophet like they they have like nicknames in all of their instagram account i love it is every every post <laughs> is like join us to tonight to defeat evil at <laughs> <laughs> i love it oh it's it's like, I, i won't reveal the name but myself and rishi who was on the podcast a few weeks ago we go i won't reveal the name of the band because it'll give away the gig we're going to and i, don't, I obviously don't want to reveal location to things but mm-hmm. we're going to see a band where they're really that synthwave band they're really heavily influenced by uh, 80s horror films in that sound so it's all very much like there's sort of uh they have so it's the two guys play guitars on stage right and they uh and then obviously behind them they have the computer running all the synth sounds uh, that they've got programmed in and they just look incredible live uh, but the music's amazing it's all inspired just by the films of the era well i'd love for you to send me a link to that because i, I want to listen oh we'll do i, I definitely uh, will do and um, yes if, if you like horror horror music <clears throat> then I have a very good friend called Marky Funk. That's his oh, yeah. actual music name. And mm-hmm. he has an album called Instinct. He's like yeah. a, a digger and a massive, he has a massive record collection. Oh, yeah. Uh, he only DJs from, from records. And, you know, he's a, he's a character and a really mm. cool guy. And he has an album called Instinct, which is like his, his uh, take on like a horror soundtrack. Yeah. Which is like from samples and like, It's, it's called like a meditation on fear or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, maybe you, you'd be interested in checking that out. It's also def- on vinyl. I definitely would, definitely. Um, earlier you said you, you think you have similar music tastes to me. So obviously, obviously when, uh, you know, taste can be very different to, to, to influences because um, you can like things that you're not necessarily influenced by when you write songs and things like that. What would you say your overall taste is like then? Uh, my taste is kind of varied. I know that's not a very interesting answer. It would be the but, same as mine, so don't worry. But, it would be the same as mine. <laughs> but, like, my recent, like, things I've been really digging is, I don't know if you know uh, Carla Del Forno. I do know, yeah. Yeah, w- I know uh, she, she is amazing, and that's mm. not, a, like, a filthy name. That's uh, Italian for Carla yeah. from the oven, mm. uh, just so people know. Uh, <laughs> and I, like... I, like I like synthwave and I like like lo-fi like singer songwriter like I also like yeah. there's a record called I am Cindy I don't know if you've heard of that that's like a, an art project by like this French guy who invented like a pop singer from the 80s called Cindy. Oh, that's cool that's a really cool idea I'm writing that down I am Cindy I'm right I'm writing all this down <laughs> yeah that's, that's of course. I, I also idea, have man. a list going <laughs> that's uh, a great idea I love and, that idea. That's so cool. So I love that. And I, and I also like listen to more electronic stuff, but in the vein of like Magic Sword and Daft Punk. Mm. And I'm very into like my main, main places where I hang out is like, like garage music, like uh, Ty mm. Siegel and his other band Fuzz and Iron yeah. Tom and, and um, you know, Which, King Gizzard. And yeah, I can well, go I'll, on. I'll, 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 we are definitely talking about what you're saying there with the bands. Uh, we're definitely talking garage rock there, aren't we? Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Obviously, from my, from my, from my, you know, eighty-five percent of my listeners are from the UK, and like obviously to them, garage music is a very. I, I don't have you ever heard of UK garage? I'm not, not really, but I know like the White Stripes got big in the UK, and they're a garage band. Ah, uh, see, so UK garage very different. Um, it's it's an it's an electronic style, which is sort of. Uh, it's got this one constant beat that goes throughout the song and most of the songs use a very similar beat um and it's sort of there's a lot of spoken word style rapping 
uh, in it. It's a very different style. I think, I think you just explained some some weird results that I found online when I was looking for stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we have got we we call it garage rock. I'd say. Yeah, it's just my accent, you know. I'm. Well, you say that, but in America they call it garage rock. So it's 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 not necessarily. It's because we pronounce the word garage as either garage or garage, garage. Uh, depending, depending on where we're from in the UK. So <laughs> that's true. So from. yes, so uh, garage rock, that's like, mm. it's also like left, which is like my main project. That's, yeah. that's what I, that's what I produce. Like I love like bass drum of death. I like fuzz on vocals, basically. Mm. If you have fuzz on vocals, I, you have me, but you also, I really appreciate like good singers. I mm. have a problem when I, it feels lazy to me when the singer isn't good. Yeah. Because, mm. cause, you know, when you put like an amazing singer and you put a lot of fuzz on it, everything will f sound good with fuzz on it. Yeah. But, but if you have a singer under that, mm. that will sound even better. Um, mm. So, yeah, so I like good singers. Who would be, your, who are your top vocalists? Who do you think of the, oh, well, should we, Let's not do favorite. Let's do who, who do you think's the best? Let's do that. Who would be the like definitive best? The, the, in in garage music or just just in, in general? Music in general, yeah, in general. Well, that is that is such a broad answer. Mm. Like, there's an Israeli artist called uh, Arik Einstein. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to say it in English, but his, he's like he's like the Israeli maybe Frank Sinatra. I don't oh, know. Wow. How, like he's like the the main like canonized musician of israel he died a few years ago in his mm. 80s but he has a lot of amazing music out yeah and he is an amazing amazing singer he has like this baritone voice and he can mm. like he can do harmony like he can do his own harmonies and high pitches and i think like when i grew up he was the quintess quintessential singer mm. in my eyes uh, but I also like, I really appreciate, you know, Kurt Cobain, he's an amazing mm. singer and he does things that not a lot of people can do. And, yeah. and, you know, even like music, I don't really listen to, but like Dio oh, is, gosh, yeah. is, uh, is an incredible, incredible singer. Incredible. Especially the work he did with Rainbow when he was in Rainbow. Um, I mean, they're a great band. That's Richie Blackmore, the guy who's also a guitarist, Black, uh, not Black Sabbath, uh, for Deep Purple. Uh, mm. he's, and, and like, oh God, the stuff he did with them is amazing. Um, for me, like, I, I always look at my number one vocalist just in terms of, like, they're not my number one band. I love them. They'd probably be in my top 20. Uh, but it's Freddie Mercury. It's, it's oh, I mean, now I feel now I feel ashamed wow. that I didn't talk about Freddie Mercury because <laughs> when I was small, like before I got into like rock music, like mm. it's funny that Queen is not considered rock music in my eyes, but like, before, <laughs> but I was obsessed with Queen. Like when I was, I mm. used to go to like sports game when I was a kid, like I, like age five. Yeah, and they always played, of course, uh, "We Will Rock You." Yeah. And we are the champions. And I, mm. I distinctly remember one of the first CDs I ever, ever received was like on my fifth birthday. And it was, you know, CDs just started. And it was the Queen Greatest Hits. Oh, yeah. And my parents told me it was like, this is the band from the basketball games. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, and, and like I listened to that so much. And he is, he is technically like the best singer. 
yeah on the he, planet he yeah he just he does things i don't know how he does but then in the same vein someone who does things that i don't know how they do is whitney houston i don't know how she sings the way she does is her range is is huge like it's so large yeah like, she has a crazy range that's true she's also amazing the funny yeah. thing is i want to i just want to say when you talked before about like bands wanting to get on chat shows and stuff mm. like I'm a huge Queen fan, and I, I watched Bohemian Rhapsody at home. Yeah. And I stopped it in, like, after an hour because I was so annoyed because it has nothing to do with the band. Yeah, it's, it's – I, I wasn't a big fan of that film either. And, and my friend Rishi, who's been on the podcast as well, he, he wasn't a fan as well. We watched it together. Uh, and he's a huge Queen fan. He's a bigger fan than me. Um, like, it, it's just – I think it's one of those films where it's – it's mess. I mean, it's messily made anyway. It's not the edit's not very good. Um, but uh, the issue with it is that we've seen that same film just with other artists so many times. The same story. That's true. It's, it's, a, it's like, a cookie. It's a cookie cutter movie. But and it's not really mm. well technically made, as you said. But the thing that really broke me was like the movie starts, and Freddie Mercury like is he's sad and alone, mm. and then he tells the uh, Queen, "Let me sing for you." And yeah. he does one gig, and of course it's disastrous, because <laughs> always the first gig in movies is disastrous, and the mic yeah. like, like has the, the, the same yeah same old story. <laughs> but then they sit in the van, and he's like, I'm, "I'm sorry, guys, I'm gonna leave the band." And then they tell him, "Look, if we work really, really hard, we're gonna be the best band in the area. If we work yeah. our asses off." And then cut, they're like the yeah. biggest band in the area. There's no showing them like working. It just happens. Yeah. <laughs> and they're meeting with a, a producer. And he's like, listen, guys, if you work your asses off, you're going to get on TV. Yeah. But it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a lot of work. And the next scene is them on TV. It's on top of the pops. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So there's like, <laughs> they don't show like the build. They don't show them working. It's just like, oh, no. they're amazing. And everything happens. <laughs> yeah, that's not at all. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, that film did, uh, did annoy me a bit, uh, with everything as well. But I will say, uh, someone who I've seen live is, uh, so obviously Queen were called Smile before they were Queen, and, um, mm -hmm. they had another singer who wasn't Freddie Mercury, who's the guy who left, suppose, in the film, he left the night that Freddie became the singer, which I don't know if necessarily happened I, I that way. That's I doubt how that happened. Did. I doubt. But his name's Tim Staffle, and he's a UK blues artist, and he's been going since. And he's really good, and he's he's got his own career in his own right, and he's done really well. And he's never obviously had a huge hit, but he's he's been big on the scene since that time, and he's he's really worth checking out if people never have. Um, he's a really good musician. Interesting. I've I've yeah. actually never never considered. Because I, I liked Queen as like a very young child, and I yeah. listened to like all of their rec all of their albums. It wasn't it was CDs back then. Yeah, it wasn't records. But like the way I was into Nirvana when I was a bit older, you know, I know all the drummers before Dave Grohl, and I read the biographies. Mm. And but I've never did that with Queen. I've never considered who was their first singer. Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting to learn. Uh, yeah, no, he, he he's really good, and I think he's actually got a really good voice as well. He is a good singer, but because he's you know predecessor to he's the best, of all the time, best singer ever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, People just don't rate him the same way, and it's like, well, he's still a good singer. He's, he's still technically extremely good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I I love 
Freddie's influences. I mean, Freddie was influenced by um, Paul Rogers from uh, Free and Bad Company, which is Isn't, two amazing. Is Paul Rogers now singing with Queen? He did. Um, so now it's Adam Lambert from American Idol, who mm. is a great singer himself. I think he's an incredible talent. But um, but he Paul Rogers sang with Queen after Freddie died when they when they first went back on tour after the uh, tribute concert. So they had a break. Uh, the tribute concert, by the way, one of my other favourite vocalists in that, George Michael's version of Somebody to Love. Wow, incredible. But, um, yeah, so Paul Rogers actually even did an album with Queen, which I don't know if you've heard, but it is awful. No, I awful. haven't listened to any post-Freddie Queen. I don't think, I don't think, like, I don't want to be mean, and but I don't think when you're, like, every band has an identity. And, you know, Pink Floyd was big enough to, like, bring on a new singer yeah still happen but i don't think you can replace freddie mercury not when you're that integral to it i mean <laughs> that says that also says a lot though about the difference between freddie and sid barrett or difference between freddie and peter gabriel of genesis let's say because because although they are technically brilliant singers freddie's just next level and you can't replace I th- that i just think that sid barrett he, he was such an artist and he was more of a mm. of a writer yeah so he was like the, they weren't famous for his voice no they were more famous for his style of songwriting and yeah. they were very lucky uh when they got their replacement and and also the same thing with genesis i think mm. like peter gabriel is a very good singer but he he's not that like, song, he's not yeah he's not like a, a step above singer he's like a good no. singer and both both Peter Gabriel and Sid Barrett solo work revered, revered, yes. and they are incredible albums to the point when like I, I think Peter Gabriel's uh, it's so isn't it is the big one. I I think that trumps nearly any album that uh, Phil Collins did solo, and I think Phil Collins's albums are brilliant as well. So that's saying something. Um, yeah. That is an incredible record. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just love, I, I, I love any iteration of bands, to be honest, apart from I don't love Paul Rogers doing an album with Queen, because <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> it's worth listening to for the experience of just knowing what it's like, but it mm-hmm. is awful. It just doesn't feel right. Do you have it on vinyl? No, God, no. I don't think it's ever been pressed on vinyl, you know. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I think it came out like 2007, around then, 2006. Mm. Yes, that's a bit before the, the vinyl boom. Yeah, when they were doing the tour, sort of. It's funny actually because we talk about the vinyl boom, but um, the one genre continued on vinyl throughout the whole time. Well, I say one. There's more than one because I, th- I, th- I think Garage Rock did as well. Uh, but punk really. I mean, vinyl's the number one for punk anyway. I think it's, it's, punk it's... and also like electronic music because mm, it was for DJs yeah. that also mm. never stopped coming out on vinyl. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Yeah. But yes, the punk is very like that's their bread and butter, and the it's also what we talked about the DIY attitude of like, you know, etching records instead of pressing. Mm. I don't know, if know the difference. Yeah, there's a huge difference. Um, um, yeah, we but you, can, like, you can do very small runs when you etch a vinyl. You can yeah. do like twenty copies. Well, I've, I've got this uh, this band. Um, that I like called Surgery Without Research. They're a brilliant punk band. I believe one of that one of the, it's brilliant. One of their albums is on Spotify. If if you do want to listen, it's the newest album. 
And um, all the albums are all pressed onto vinyl as usual. Obviously, all pressed onto colour vinyls, but each one of them is hand stamped by the uh, by the lead singer of the band. And like it's all so homemade and so well done. They've got, all got lush like colour booklets, but the singles are all lathe cut. I don't know if you've heard about that. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. But basically, just get a piece of plastic, cut a record size whole hole in it. Yeah, that's that's what I it. that's what I mean when I say little uh, um, etching. Yes, that's, yes, that's yes. etching. Yes. I well, when you said etching, I, I thought you meant when they do um, like stylistic etchings on the other side of the record. No, no, etching, etching yeah. is the leaf cutting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We call it lathe cut over here. It's um, I love the start. I love that. I love it because like anyone can, well, anyone can, but it makes it so much more accessible for anyone to be able to get a record out. Um, and it's recycling as well. It's also it, it recycling, is. It which is. is great. And we've obviously had the news in the past couple of weeks. The first like record that's come out with uh, which is obviously um, I think it's like, uh, well, I'm gonna say carbon neutral. I don't think it necessarily is that, but it's. it's uh, can a record be yeah. carbon neutral? Uh, well, they just make it with different materials, basically. I have no clue how it sounds. It may sound awful. You have to bear in mind that, obviously, like the reason why records come out on the, the way they are and then they also come out on black is because... See, some people will say that, actually, that, um, that actually um, any colour vinyl all sounds the same. But, obviously, they had the choice because all, all PVC is just grey. So they had the choice of whether they wanted it on black or in any other colour. And even the first seven-inch singles came out on different colours to indicate genres in America. Really? Yeah, oh, I, I bought cool. one of them. I bought one of them. It's from 1949. Uh, I managed to get it for about 15 quid. And it was, it's amazing. But, like, they had the choice of which one. They picked black, supposedly, because it's the best sounding. Now, whether it actually is or not, I don't know. Um, but, you know, if... if, if 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 that material is the best sounding, then that's what it is. So it's now about making the whatever eco-friendly material is being used now. It's about making that uh, as good as it can be, I guess, isn't it? True, true. Uh, it's interesting. I never thought about like color affecting the record quality because in Midnight Noise, like spoiler, but we want to do our record in white. Mm. I think it really fits the music. Yeah. And now I'm now I'm, now I'm interested. I just want you to know that Queen plus Paul Rogers, the Cosmos Rocks, Guess came what? out on two vinyl versions. Did it? One oh, regular and one 180 grams, uh, wow. back in 2008. Uh, I can't say I'm going to go out and buy one. I think you should. <laughs> I think just just as part of this conversation, I think you should go out and get it. <laughs> Complete the set. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, obviously with vinyl records, it is, I, I don't, when I, I got loads of colored records and there isn't much difference at all, I don't hear it. I hear the difference in a picture disc because obviously it's got to get through, it's got to get through a level of paper and yeah. I mainly hear it because it gets a hiss because of that. Um, but like, you know, I always look at it as I sacrifice some sound quality because the picture disc looks so good. That's how I think of it. So <laughs> I'm not a fan of picture discs, but I, I pre, you know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I've only got a few of them, and I've it's, it's it's things like Prince's, you know, Prince and the Revolution, Purple Rain album covers that look amazing. <laughs> it has to be. And I've only got a few. I've got a David Bowie one, Hunky Dory. I've got mm -hmm. a few more, but like, yeah, I can't. I can't just. No, if you it. like them, that's that's great. I'm not. Uh, it's not a judging judgment. No, no, just, I, uh, <laughs> I I always think they look kind of weird. Honestly, no, really. 
Yeah, because I am like when I pressed uh, my first record, which is the left uh, 12 inch that we talked about before, mm. it was very important for me to do it black. Like it was yeah. my, my first album on vinyl and, and not a seven inch. Should be traditional. Yeah, I wanted yeah. it to be traditional before I started doing stuff. Like I really wanted it to be a 10 inch. I think that's how we started talking. It is, yeah, because 10 inch EPs, it feels so more compact and like a small piece of music that you're taking home, like a taste of the band, isn't it? And I like that. It feels nice. Have a 10 exactly. Inch, it's, like it's, it's like literally my favorite like medium of music. I think it's like yeah. the best size for a record. It's exactly like 15 minutes of music. And it's like the, the artwork is still big enough to be appreciated, but it doesn't take a lot of room. And they're not popular at all. Like most, like mm. when I wanted to press one, like I did all the research and every record store I went to, they were like, we don't have a section for 10 inches. No. And they just get lost in the 12 inches because they're smaller. And when people yeah. dig, they don't see them. Uh, so I went with the 12 inch, with, which is still cool, but not exactly what I wanted. Mm. Uh, maybe one day. I also yeah. love, I have the, one of the only 10 inches I have is Ty Siegel. He did a, a one-off band called the Ty Siegel Band. Oh, yeah. And they have an album called Slaughterhouse, which is an amazing album. Mm -hmm. And I have it on a double 10 inch. And I think that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. The, the, my, my friend of mine, he beat you to it. I wanted to buy it. It's a Kings of Leon double 10 inch album. Um, but isn't that so <laughs> funny? Because a double 10 inch... Yeah, should just be a twelve inch. Twelve inch, yeah, and it's only like a thirty minute album usually as well. You're like, okay, um, but it is cool because it makes it more of a collector's item. It makes it feel different. That's why when it exactly. feels different. Um, yeah, I've got quite a few. I've got uh, obviously I've got Ringo Starr's EP, which is the one we started talking about. But I've got uh, a limited edition recreation of uh, what's going on by Marvin Gaye, the single. Uh, oh, has the a, a, one? Yeah, has the A and the B side, but on the be on the on the b side so a and b side of the original single on the a side then on the b side it's got remixes of what's going on which is really cool um so you get a little bit extra for your money there that sounds I've, cool i've got a few 10 inch albums from the late 50s early 60s because they did do sort of a a phase where they put on a full album on 10 inch um because they, they they it was sort of like 12 inch lps were popular but it wasn't fully set in stone as to whether that was going to be the current, like the main format or not for albums. Mm -hmm. I got a few of them and I got a few EPs sort of like from the two thousands and a few from like the sixties and stuff, you know, of just, um, you know, like I got a Sandy Shaw one things, so I got all different sorts, uh, but yeah, I, I, I love, I love the format. Um, it's been, honestly, it's been wonderful to have you on, um, today uh lefty oh, thank it's, it's you. Been so good so thank you for coming on um i wanted to give you some time just to uh to let people know where they can find you online any websites social media where to buy your records from um and things like that so feel free to fire away oh thank you thank you first of all it was really fun chatting with you dan yeah, no problem. Uh, no worries. and it's oh, always nice it. to meet uh fellow enthusiasts from around the world <laughs> hey it definitely is definitely because you know i'm not just a musician i really just love music Mm. Uh, and well the thing with my band is that it's a problem I, I, that's why Midnight Noise is called Midnight Noise because Left is so not Google friendly <laughs> that it hurts so if you want to find Left I suggest you Google uh, Left with the word Haifa H-A-I-F-A which is like one of our songs which then it will immediately pop up 
if you want to support us and get the the 12-inch, that would be amazing. Like, cause it's a limited edition. There's only 300 of them, and I'm and you know I I that came out during COVID, which was really hard to promote. Mm. But the record was just done for so long. It just wanted to put it out. Yeah. Uh, and but I already have like almost half gone, which is fun, cause we almost had, didn't perform in that time. Uh, and yes, so if you want to listen to us on Spotify, the, just search for Left Haifa, or if you want to listen to Midnight Noise, uh, every every listen and follow is appreciated. And if you want to uh, follow my shenanigans, I'm on Instagram uh, on Lefty Lazarovich, uh, which I'm sure you'll tag me somewhere. I will do, yeah. I'll, you'll you'll uh, be tagged in uh, in promotion and in the description yeah. and everything on the uh, podcast and, so yeah but, but yeah if people want to check out my music i would be very appreciative and and yeah i have a lot more music coming out we're working on the next uh left uh record which will be like a full album like a 12 oh, or nice. 11 song album and midnight noise we've been working at a crazy pace like we're just releasing singles from our first album but we're working on our third album because mm-hmm. we're just like the second the first one is done and mastered and the second one is almost done and the third one is almost done so we've been like working at a crazy pace and we try to we're trying to get all the music out at a at a pace that can work for us but so follow us on on spotify and i'm i promise you uh, interesting things and ship tune music yeah um, I mean, every, everything I've heard of yours sounds amazing, and I'm really looking forward to it. Especially when you said the album, that's like, ah, that's, that's where I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm excited to hear that. So uh, very much look forward to that one. And anything you do with Midnight Noise, Noise to me is probably going to be great because I love that first single. Yeah, if um, you love Oceans, I think you'll love our, our record, which will come out because Oceans was the song that set like how the band kind of sounds. Yeah. So uh, if you like it, you're probably going to like the rest. Uh, and yeah, and I'll, I'll let you go, Dan. It was very fun chatting. <laughs> no, I don't want to belabor. Oh, uh, no, 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 you're not at all. No, it's, it's been amazing chatting to you. Um, thank you for coming on. And do feel free to uh, to come back whenever. I'm, I'm sure people will, will love to have you back. Um, mm. So what we'll do is we'll stay chatting. For, you know, we'll, we'll chat a bit afterwards anyway, and I'll let you know what's going to happen with the podcast and everything. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's be a great time to say goodbye to everyone now. And um, thank you for coming on, Lefty. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, everyone. And if people want me back, I'll be back for more sh- more silly stories about Queen. Yeah, it'd be great. I'd love to. Cheers. Thank you. Bye.